0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Are you ready for the word this morning? You know, way back on the 23rd of June in the year 2018, a group of uh, uh, young children, Uh, from Thailand, they were in a soccer team. They decided with their coach to go and have a party in one of the networks of caves that exists in Thailand. They took some food with them, and they were gonna go in and have this little party after their practice. But while they were in there for a very short time, the rains came down, and as you know, in that part of the world, it can rain. And within a very short time, they had to climb up a steep bank deeper into this cave and the cave was completely flooded. While well, the parents missed their children, the bicycles were all outside. They didn't know where the kids were. There was incredible panic. And after a while of texting and searching, they realized they were actually inside the cave. They didn't know if any of them had drowned. They didn't know if they had survived. And uh, the rescue of those children became a very high profile. In fact, it became an international effort to rescue them known as the Tam Lang cave rescue. Over 10,000 people were involved in the rescue. 100 divers, um, 100 government agencies and their representatives, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters, 7 ambulances, more than 700 diving cylinders, you know those oxygen cylinders, and they pumped more than 1 billion liters of water out of those caves. To cut a long story short, the British divers were the first to find the boys, and they were four kilometers from the mouth of the cave with several sections that were flooded. So there was no way they could get them out, but they eventually went in and over 45 minute intervals with oxygen and sedation, they brought them through the water, through the water, and brought each one of them out. And on July the 10th, You know, on the 23rd of June, this happened. 17 days later, the last boy was brought out. They lost two divers in the process. One succumbed right there. The other one died a year later. But it cost the lives of two people. But every boy was finally brought to safety. And you know, when I read the story, this is what I realized. Caves are dangerous places. And it's very risky to go into a cave. You can get stuck in a cave And if you're not careful, you can easily be trapped in a cave. But here's the thing. If you're not careful, you can be stuck or trapped in not only a physical cave, you can be stuck or trapped in an emotional cave or a spiritual cave, and you need rescuing. You know, I was reading about this uh, psychotherapist in California. Um, Her name is Shiva Raji. She says this, she says, while the mood right now has many people excited about the idea of getting back to normal life, others have what she calls FOGO, the fear of going out. We're like in a cave. She says it's perfectly natural to have FOGO after one year or more in lockdown. Over the past year, it's been ingrained in people's minds that interactions with others, especially in enclosed spaces like church, can be dangerous, if not lethal, So many people may find themselves anxious at the thought of re-entry into society. But then she says this. She says, but Fogo is more than the fear of getting sick. It can also be influenced by kind of a situational social anxiety, which many have developed as a result of a year or more in lockdown. And she said this. She says, the reality is that most of us are out of practice when it comes to socializing. How many of you would, you would agree with me today? i sure many of you would agree at home. It's easier to withdraw and to be in a kind of, in your shell, to be even at home, to be in a cave. We went out shopping yesterday to the hardware store, and again, it was like the thought of going out again in the evening. Pastor Wilma said to me, uh, let, let's, let's go and eat out, and, and we went to a cafe. And, but the thought of it was like, mm, and then I realized, come out of your cave, Andre. Because my natural tendency is to withdraw. There's a kind of a social anxiety, and I'm in a pattern of withdrawal, whereas I constantly have to come out. And by the way, you'll see she's not here. She decided that, like many people, you book a seat and then you don't come. She's not just, she's not going to come. <laughs> no, she's not. She's at Carl Army Campus this morning supporting my son, and she'll be back for the next two because, uh, because we've got dedications in the next two. I thought I'd tease you with that. Some of you are like, What? Now here's the thing today. I want to speak to you, and I've entitled the message. Felt God really dropped this in my heart again. I've preached on this passage in my ministry over th- in nearly forty years now. I've preached on this many, many times, but I felt the Lord say, "This is the word. It's time to come out of the cave. It's time to come out of the cave." You don't have to clap. You can just say "Amen." Now. I'm going to read a text that's very well known, the story of Elijah from 1 Kings 19. And the background to the story is the prophet Elijah was challenging the prophets of Baal. If it were today, he wouldn't challenge them. He'd invite them to church and we'd synchronize with the prophets of Baal. But at that time, there was a clear distinction. And uh, he challenged the prophets of Baal who were leading a whole nation into idolatry and into the worship of a false god. And uh, he challenged them. Fire fell from heaven. God confirmed that Elijah was his prophet. He then rose up with the children of Israel and put them to death, and uh, purged Israel of that sin. And Queen Jezebel, who had appointed those prophets and endorsed them, she said, "I'm going to kill you." So he withdrew, and he ran away, and he went into the wilderness. How many of you know it's 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 understandable when you're challenged to end up in a wilderness. It's another thing to end up in a cave. Well, he runs away. He ends up in the wilderness. God is gracious and feeds him. He sleeps under a tree. But then he gets up and he journeys for some 50 kilometers. It's a 40 day journey. They say it could be 50 to 70 kilometers. And he finds himself, leaves his servant behind. That's what always happens when you go into an emotional cave. You leave others behind and you isolate yourself. And you can find yourself in a very dangerous place. And we pick up the story in 1 Kings 19 from verse 9, I'm going to read nine verses here, and notice from the wilderness, when he gets to the place that he's traveling, the mountain of God, you'd think he'd have an encounter with God, but notice what verse 9 says, there he went into a cave and spent the night, now we'll pick it up, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of mine, you notice how he speaks in the past tense, I have been. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, shame. If the Lord was Afrikaans, he'd say, (laughs) "sistoch." But God doesn't say that. I want you to notice what the Lord says in verse 11. The Lord said, go out. And stand on the mountain. I want you to repeat with me at home and in here. Go out. Say it louder. That's what you have to do when challenges come. You can't go in. You have to go out. It's time to come out of the cave. And the Lord says, and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. I want you to be near me, God says. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks it's supposed to be incredible before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I reckon God is trying to get his attention. But I want you to notice something. And after the fire, came a gentle whisper. That's what the NIV says. In a lot of the translations, it says this a still small whisper voice. Do you know what we focus on? We focus on small voice, but it actually says a still small voice. Do you know what it actually says in the Hebrew, if you read the phrase, the sound of silence. Simon and Garfunkel, this is the sound of silence. Some of the young people are like, what? It's an old song. It gets remade. You might find Taylor Swift singing it soon, but nonetheless... God was, God was speaking, but you couldn't hear it, and you know what? When you go into a cave, God speaks, but you've got to tune in, and if you're not careful, you can shut it out, and God gets his attention with all the razzmatazz and the show that he puts on, but then he speaks to him, and I want you to notice, when Elijah heard it, the Lord had told him to go out, hadn't he? Watch this. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out, and where did he stand? He stood at the mouth of the cave. Do you know, sometimes when God calls us, we need to listen. God called him out, but he came to the mouth. Then the voice said to him, second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? The second time God's asking the question, had to settle in. He replied again, exactly the same words. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And the Israelites have rejected. It's like God's going, oh, just remind me again. Is that what ramble on, they've torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too, the Lord said to him, and here's the second phrase, go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus, can you see go out, and go back, two key phrases, and he says, and when you get the anoint Haziel, king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Damascus, and uh, sorry, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel Maḥola, to succeed you as prophet. By the way, uh, the the the, the Haziel was only anointed during Elisha's time, and Elisha only took over six years after this event. So God's not saying, you know, you're done for, goodbye. Bring another guy, and you you you're done with. God is saying, I've got work for you to do and he needs to be your apprentice. And verse 17, Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Haziel and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. Elijah goes into a wilderness, but from the wilderness he goes into a cave And I believe that's happened to many, many people over lockdown. There's been withdrawal, and now you can find yourself in an emotional place. Even if you're in the building, by the way, I'm not just speaking to people at home here or or targeting people at home. I'm speaking to people today, we have gone into an emotional and social and spiritual cave. And unless we come out, the purposes of God will not be fulfilled through us. And it's time for us to recognize that, not be sensitive about it. If you think of caves today, a cave is a place of retreat, it's a place of hiding, it's a place of fear, a place of withdrawal, limitation, a place of depression, inactivity, a place of smallness, self-pity, and self-doubt far away from the purposes of God. And many people have got into that kind of place. I believe today through the life-threatening circumstances that we have been through and the life-threatening events that we faced, many of us have gone into a wilderness and then have gone into a cave, and God is saying, what are you doing there? He's not saying shame. He's saying, what are you doing there? Go out, go back. Go out and go back. And if you think of caves in the Bible, I just want to remind you, many, many caves mentioned besides this one. Abraham bought a cave, and caves represent burial places, the place of the dead. They're not, they're not noble places. Abraham bought a cave to bury his wife, and in the end, he was buried there too at Machpelah. Jesus, in John's gospel, in chapter 11, went to a cave in order to raise Lazarus, if you read that, most of us overlook it, but it was, Lazarus was buried in a cave, and Jesus called him out of the cave, and that's kind of a New Testament analogy of Jesus calling his church today, get up and come out, loose, loose him and let him go, you know there are going to be people, we need to unbind them from the things that have bound them, and let them go, and if you look at uh, Mark chapter 5, the demoniac, remember the man who was a raving lunatic? He lived amongst the caves of the dead, the New Living Translation says. And in Judges, chapter six, when God called Gideon, the Bible says they were hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress which was below the ground. And so there's this sense where everything is hidden. When Samson had killed the Philistines and uh, people weren't happy with him, the Bible says he hid in the cave and the men of Judah came there. When Lot escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah, him and his daughters went and lived in a cave. And that's where the incest took place. And then David, who was destined to be a king, lived in the cave of Adullam, a place of limitation when he was born to be royalty I want you to know today that God's called you to be royalty. He's called you to serve His purposes. He's called you to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Forward and not backwards. And we have to go out and stand in His presence and go back the way we came. Retrace our steps. Can you say amen? You see, a cave is a place of shelter, but it's not a place of progress. And we've needed shelter, but it's time to move forward today. I want to ask you, are you in a cave? And if you are, You need to evaluate where you are. And I think many, this is my observation today, many, many people through what we have been through, I can see people that are in a cave. No one can reach them. They have moved into their shoals. They're in the darkness of their own fear and doubts and sins. And God doesn't want you to come, uh, doesn't want you to be there. He wants you to come out. So four dangers quickly of being in a cave. And then four things God said to Elijah that we need to respond to as well. Are you with me? First danger of the cave is we can lose perspective. We can lose perspective. We start to see things incorrectly instead of the way God sees them. And Elijah lost his perspective. He could no longer see as God saw. He no longer was the victor. He saw himself as a victim. I have been faithful. No one else has. And now they're trying to kill me. And you can start losing your sense of victory and taking on the nature of a victim and interestingly you you'd think that uh, that uh, Elijah would see that uh, Elijah, sorry, would see that he's got one friend, his servant. His servant is loyal. His servant goes all the way into the wilderness with him, but the Bible says he left him behind. Why would you leave the one person behind who's been loyal to you? You know what happens to you. Even God's church and He's faithful. You start to turn against them. You see them as your enemy. You see them as attacking you because they're trying to call you out instead of leaving you where you are. That servant must have been talking to him, saying, "Where are you going? What are you do? How far are we going?" Where are we going next? No, we've got work to do. Uh, Excuse me, sir, don't you think we should go back? Stay here. (laughs) No, you lose your perspective, and you stop seeing things. And here's the thing when you lose perspective. You stop seeing as God sees, and you start feeling as the world feels. You're living by your feelings right now? It could be that you've lost your perspective, because people who have a perspective live as God lives but people who lose their perspective see as, feel as God, as the world feels. Sorry, let me get that right. Number two, caves easily become prisons. You go there, you find shelter there, you find relief there, but they easily become a prison. And the longer we stay in them, the less likely we are to want to come out. And eventually confinement and smallness becomes a way of life. And when it becomes a way of life, it becomes a prison. Many of you know the actor Robert Downey Jr. And uh, he was on drugs for years and years and really was in a prison of drug addiction. Um, and by the way, you know how he got into that prison of drug addiction? His father introduced him to, as they, we need to use in South Africa, Dachau when he was six years old. said to me, you have a joint, my boy. You need to become a man. And you know, people do that today. They want their kids to experience the world. Sniff this, smoke that. Uh, When when they're 13, you need to sleep with a woman. I'm going to organize it. How crazy is our world? Anyway, it plunged his life into misery. He's had two divorces. He was a drug addict. It was all over the news. He had done some crazy things. And in 2000, the year 2000, he tricked himself into a hospital. And uh, he said, I was sinking further and further into depression. And he was diagnosed as a manic depressive and put on suicide watch. But he says the issues put him in a cave. And he made a decision that he was going to break free. And today, in fact, since 2003, 2003, he has been completely drug-free. He's been married with children despite the two divorces. And he's doing well. But I love what he said. He made a statement. And if you're in a cave today, hear what he says. He says, because you know, he, was, he was suicidal, he says, It's like having a loaded gun in my mouth, and I like the taste of metal. Job one is to get out of that cave. A lot of people do get out but don't change. You've got to come out and you've got to change. See, the Lord didn't just say come out of the cave. He said come out and go back. You've lost something. You've lost perspective. You're in a prison. What are you doing here? Think about it. Now go back and you've got to make some changes. And I mentioned earlier, you know, sin is doing the wrong things, but sin is also not doing what you're supposed to do. In the book of James, it says this, and I want to read this to you, James chapter 4. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We can become prisoners of inactivity, prisoners of being in hiding instead of being people used by God and fulfilling the purposes of God. Can you say amen? And can you say amen at home? The third thing we do, and I've touched on it already, is we separate from strengthening relationships. When you're in a cave, you you withdraw more and more from strengthening relationships. He withdrew from the servant, he withdrew from society, and he saw himself as a martyr. I am the only one. That's why the Lord, right at the end of that refrain there, suddenly interjects with, I've still got 7,000. You feel you're the only martyr, no, 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 there are other people serving me too. You're facing the same challenges you're facing, who feel the same as you. Can I just say this this morning? If you're listening to me, you might say it's easy for you, Pastor Andre. You and Pastor Wilma are pastors of the church. You live under the holy cloud where the anointing lives. But the rest of us live in the real world. Now, I live in the real world. I live in the real world with the same tendencies to depression, the same tendencies to loneliness, the same tendencies to discouragement. Do you know how hard it's been for the last two years to be at home? I've actually felt terrible because I felt I live in a nice house, yet I'm feeling ungrateful because I feel like I'm a prisoner in my own house. I, I've, had to, I've had to constantly go to God, pray, ask for His Holy Spirit, get in the Word. Sometimes I, I just, just read and read and read and read because I've got to get washed of this negativity. Tired of watching Netflix and the nonsense on there. By the way, if you are subscribed to Netflix, always remember they have a slant. They have a religion. They have a view. They're trying to tuck the negativity and the values of the world in. Everything that's on the slanted. Don't go and drink it in. Yeah, I'm staying at home. There's danger out there. Let me drink this in, drink this in. Environmentalism, homosexuality, negativity, sleeping with people, uh, victimhood. On and on it goes until your head is completely in another place. And then you don't want to come back to church because it's removed you from the strengthening relationships. We're in danger. I say that not to you, I say that to us because we've got to come out of the cave. And I can still feel some cobwebs on me. Can you? It's time to move forward. You know, in New Zealand, in, you know, New Zealand's got 20, 000, 20 million sheep and 5 million people. It's true, that's, that's what they're known for. They say that the shepherds in New Zealand know exactly when a sheep is sick. You know how? It separates itself from the flock. It, stre- it separates itself from strengthening relationships. They, can ident- they don't have to go through and examine them. They can, that, that one over there, the whole day it's been there, sick, something wrong. And they go and they find out, yep, it is actually sick. And John Wesley said this, and you know, these great men of God, they've got something to say to us, even though they're dead, as the book of Hebrews says. I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship. And the whole world for my mission field. I don't know about you, but I want the whole church for my fellowship. I don't just want to be speaking to a camera. I don't want to just say hi to a few of you. I'm looking forward to getting in the foyer. And can I say this? If I'm in the foyer and I speak to one or two people, and I don't do it lately because we've got to stand on our feet for hours and we're going to be dedicating, so you might not see me today. If I'm out there and I talk to three, three people and then I leave, don't say, didn't speak to me. Better to do for one what you can't do for all. But I want to engage people again. We, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing someone in our church who just this holiday period while everyone was celebrating, they were in a car accident and the family survived. The children were in ICU, but the wife was killed. These are people that are regular committed members. I don't want to just wave at them, Pastor the mask. Glad you're here, glad you're singing and giving. No, 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 no. I want you to be strengthened by interaction I'm supposed to be preaching. Do you know that going without human contact for a prolonged period of time can break your heart? Did you know that? According to the Journal of the American uh, Heart Association, social isolation, they tracked 1,600 people over a period of time during lockdown and found that they were living with heart failure and it tracked back to social isolation. They then linked it to another study where scholars estimate that regardless of your heart health, social isolation can increase your risk of death anywhere from 50 to 90%. When you're in a cave, you're removed from strengthening relationships, and it's a very dangerous place to be. The fourth thing here that is a danger, and there are many dangers, is we lose sight of God's purpose for us. God had a plan and purpose for Elijah, and he's got a plan and purpose for you. You say, well, I'm not a great prophet. No, every member of the body of Christ has got a gift and has got a purpose. And God had a plan for him, and survival became his focus instead of the purposes of God. Do you remember when Moses was discouraged? He went and lived in a wilderness for 40 years. God had to come to him and call him out again. he literally come out and go back. And that's what he did, and then he fulfilled the purpose of God. And today, the great Moses is known by all of us because he didn't stay in a wilderness. And we've got to fulfill the purposes of God for our lives. And we've got to be careful because the longer we stay here, the less we'll be able to see God's purpose for our lives. Vision weekend next weekend. What is the vision going to be? Come and see. It's not another building. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not about tangibles. It's about you and I seeing what God is saying through the gentle whisper that we need to arise and do. You know, talking about loss of vision, it's a very interesting thing. They did a study with 40 volunteers in France, and uh, in April 2021, they did this. A group of them, uh, volunteers, went into this cave for 40 days, and uh, they wanted to see how people would adapt to isolation. It was called a deep time experiment, and the participants lived in the Lombrives cave in the south of France, and... Uh, The project aimed to test how they would respond. And after 40 days, when they let them out, you know what they said? They felt they'd only been there for 30 days. Here's the thing. You don't know when you get into isolation. You lose perspective of everything. You lose vision. And guess what? When they came out, they all had to wear sunglasses because they couldn't see anymore. They'd been in the dark so long. We're going to have to learn to see again and take hold of the purposes of God again, we're going to learn how to to serve in church without paranoia, with safety, with sanitization, with care, but without paranoia, because caves are dangerous places. Four things God told Elijah, let me give them to you quickly, this morning, is this helping anyone in the building or at home today? Four things God said to Elijah that he's saying to us. Number one, God is asking us to locate ourselves. He asked Elijah twice, What are you doing here? God knew where he was. God wanted him to realize where he was. Where are you at, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you there? God wants him to think about it. And today God's asking, do you realize where you are? Locate yourself, because once you realize where you are, where you realize you're out of place, you're not in the right place emotionally, spiritually, physically God says, then you can get up and you can move forward. And Elijah keeps reverting to the past tense. I have been zealous. I have done this. And they have tried. And he goes backwards. God says, "No. what are you doing here? I want us to move forward. And self-pity is a dangerous place to be. I understand that many people have been through very difficult circumstances. But the minute we get into self-pity, we are dead. I've realized that with my life, you cannot get into self-pity about anything, even when it's your own fault. It is your death knell, and you will stay in a cave. And can I say this? The minute you start feeling sorry for yourself, no one cares for me, I have been this, but no one, that's what Elijah did, trouble cometh. God wants you to locate yourself, have you located yourself today? Number two, the second thing he said to him is, the, is this, and God is calling us out, not sending someone in. Did you hear that? God is calling us out, not sending someone in. As believers, sometimes we're so ready and willing and waiting for... No one visited me over COVID. Yeah, they didn't want to die. Thank God we can't use that excuse. But we can start to feel that self-pity, but God is not coming in. He's calling us out. Come out. Go back. Say it with me today. Come back out go back you see he's talking to you wanting you to see where you're at and then he's saying it's up to you now to break the bounds of isolation I know a cave is a refuge for the depressed but God is saying I want you to come out and he comes to the entrance because he's so used to being in there that he can't break out you have to come right out and eventually we know the story he goes back and serves the purposes of God and God's word to us is come out and go back today let me remind you here, 1 Kings 19, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. We have to constantly seek the presence of God. And we've got to come out of our own heads and our own emotions into his presence. Come out of there into you. I go into my study and I've got to come out a year, and the news and all the negativity that discourages me, and that I analyze as a leader, because I can't help reading and watching the news and thinking about solutions. they could do this. They could, Why didn't they do that? And if, and if I was there, maybe I would suggest this, and then I could stop it, stop it, just go to the presence of the Lord. God's not sending someone in. You and I have to come out. Number three: hear the gentle whisper, not our own emotions or world trends. Too many of us are listening to our own emotions, and we're listening to news media and social media, world trends. We've got to start hearing that still. The sound of silence is what we've got to hear, and uh, God speaks to the heart. He speaks into the spiritual air, and he will prompt and steer us if we tune into him. I don't know if you can sense him speaking to you today, Some in the room, some at home online, you're saying, God is speaking to me and I'm sensing it. It's the subtle leading of the Holy Spirit. And here's an interesting thing. If you're going to be a leader like like Elijah the prophet was, you better be sure that you're hearing God, not relying on experience, or just getting the Bible in its knowledge form. As a, as a Christian leader, Pastor Bill and I, we, we've been talking about this. You can't just lead the church based on years of experience, based on your position. You have to be tuned into the Holy Spirit. Sometimes your own staff aren't. With all respect to our fantastic staff, the staff sometimes are tuned into systems, not into the Holy Spirit. And you have to have both of those. And Elijah lost sight of that and ended up in a cave. I if I get into a cave, you're done for. Unless you replace me and kick me out. And, but if I live in a cave, I will drag you inside with me. I've got to come out and I've got to hear your still, small voice. And then I've got to speak it and there will be people who react badly. They react badly because they can't hear the still, small voice. They're hearing world trends. And if you realize the war we're in, you're going to start differentiating. Like I said, there are prophets of Baal living amongst us today and we want to bring them into the church and have meetings with them because they're just like us. No. We've got to get back to the Bible. There is no other name. No other name. With all respect. And you know, before Elijah went into the cave, he used to hear God's voice. Do you know that? He used to hear distinctly what God was saying. And I want to show you something about this still small voice, how it works. Because you in the room and at home, you need to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. In one king's There had been a drought, and uh, sorry, when we get to 1 Kings 18, just prior to the story we've read, there was a drought in the land for three years, and then God spoke to Elijah and told him the drought was going to come to an end, but I want to read the verses to you, because I want to ask you, do you hear God like this, or do you only hear loud voices? 1 Kings 18, everyone with me? At home? Don't snooze. Sit up straight. That's it. Now watch, and Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, watch this, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees, it was like he was prostrate in prayer. Then he said to his servant, go and look towards the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked, now notice what he says, there Is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. The Lord said to Elijah, Tell Ahab there's the sound of rain, but his servant had to go back seven times even before he even saw a cloud. Here's my point: there was no sound. Elijah heard in the spirit what God had said before man even caught a glimpse of it, let alone heard it. Are you hearing what God is saying today in the spirit to the nation, to the world? Or are you only listening to the loud voices and the stuff that pops up on your screen? We need to tune in again and listen to that, what's it, the sound of silence that the Hebrew implies. And listen to what God is saying, not our own emotions World trends. And when you hear that, you will go, go out and go back and begin to serve the purposes of God. Caves always cause us to stop seeing God's potential, God's purpose, and the possibilities. Number four. Has this helped you today? Have you received the word? The fourth thing God said to Elijah, and we've pretty much covered it already, come out so we can fulfill his call on our lives. You see, God knew where Elijah was. God knew the condition Elijah was in. God never loses track of us, even when we're in sin and depressed. But he's got a purpose for us. And he wants us to again take hold of the purposes of God. What's the vision of Rivers Church? Worship. Worship. Not singing. Worship. Worship means I engage his presence and I exalt him above all others. Reach means I touch the lost. And I tell them they need Jesus. Connect means I connect with others in fellowship and in building relationships as the family of God. Because I belong to your unique family, born again, blood washed. And then volunteer. Not everyone can volunteer. Yes, you can. You volunteer of yourself by bringing yourself, by being in the presence of God, by giving of your finances, by giving your support. We don't just write out a prayer request and a praise reward, We write out encouragement. Thank you for the services. Thank Thank God for the people who do that. You see, we've got a vision to fulfill. We can't withdraw into ourselves and become blind and not hear God. It's time to come out of the cave. Can you say amen? And I want to ask you today, do you know what God's got for you? God had a whole lot of things for Elijah to do. And he had to go and appoint Elisha. And he began to work with him for six years before he handed over to him. God wants us to raise up the next generation. It's not just about our survival. You know, during lockdown, Pastor Wilhelm and I were constantly told, thank you for our staff and our board. You need to protect yourselves. You can't go out. People shopped for us. Manor did most of our shopping. But you know what I started to feel? I started to feel I'm losing sight of the purpose of God. My purpose is to take hold of people and grow people. And all I'm doing is I'm thinking about survival. No, I can't. That's why I'm, I'm you're saying, well, the the pandemic isn't over and you're talking like it is. Yes, because if I don't, I'll stay in a cave. I've got to raise up the next generation. I've got to engage. I've got to spend time in rooms, put on the air purifier, wear a double mask, pull it off to drink water. I'm gonna put it back on again. There's work to be done and God's got work for you to do. Can you hear his voice today? You know, as I come to a close here this morning, many of you would have studied Plato and his book, The Republic. And in the fourth book of The Republic, those of you that did Greek, uh, Greek philosophy and uh, Greek mysticism, you would have read The Allegory of the Cave. It's a very famous book. And he talks about the cave and likens mankind to being in a cave and then they become aware and then they come out. We're not looking at that, but I like what Plato said. He used a phrase, and I think it's quite appropriate for all of us in the room today, And Plato said this, he said, welcome out of the cave, my friend. It's a bit colder out here, but the stars are just beautiful. You know, God is saying to us, this is a trilly thing to exit into. It's a little bit unnerving, but I want you to come out of the cave today. I want you to first locate yourself, then come out, come out and go back, and then begin to trust me for my voice and then begin to fulfill my purposes. It's a bit scary, but it's beautiful. How many of you in the building today having come out and come to church say it's beautiful? It's gonna take a while, but I'll tell you what, there's momentum already. And I've noticed on all our campuses, people are coming out of the caves, and they trust in God. As I close today, I wanna just mention something that I read during the week. A coal miner, I think it is in Wales, uh, was digging underground and obviously... um, digging for coal, when they had a cave-in, and those early days in Wales, uh, I think the coal mining is shut down now, but in those early days in Wales, it was quite a dangerous business, and he experienced a rock fall, and he was trapped in a cave, like a, like a pocket underground, and he said it was the most scary thing, and in the pitch darkness, he started feeling around and looking for a pipe, because there are pipes that run up out of these, uh, out of these uh, chutes, and he was in a, in a section, there was enough oxygen, because he stuck down there for 12 hours, But he was looking around for something to hit, because, you know, if you can hit a pipe, dong, 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 they can hear, and then they know, okay, and they try and find you. Anyway, he couldn't find a single thing. Eventually, he said he felt, he felt, he felt, and and he crawled along in the darkness. He found a piece of wire, and so he started to pull the wire. But when he pulled the wire, he realized the wire was connected to the lift shaft, which was further on. And as he pulled the wire, he got discouraged. He said his heart sank, and he began to sob and cry. As he pulled the wire, the wire just came. You know, it just came away. It wasn't attached to anything. It wasn't making a noise. And so he just let go of it and he sat there and he was there for 12 hours. But then he had a sense in his heart I can't stay here. I can't not do anything. I'm in a cave. I've got to do something. So he reached out and he pulled the wire again. And as he pulled it again, someone pulled it right out of his hands. And so he went and he found it again and he pulled it and they pulled it and they, he pulled it and they pulled it. And eventually they knew he was there. They knew he was at the end of the wire. They dug all the way down. They got him out. They reunited him with his wife and family. And it was a fantastic occasion. And you know, when I read that story, I realized you can't just sit doing nothing. God's not coming in. You can't wait. You've got to tug on the promises of God. And as you tug, you'll find this, he will pull back. And as you tug again, instead of getting into despair, he will pull back. And guess what? As you tug, he will pull you out. But if you do nothing, he'll do nothing. And I want to say this to you today, it's time to come out of the cave. Go out, go back, in Jesus' name. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.